1: you and I know we all don't get to heaven based on works. You can't pay your way to go to heaven. You can't do good deeds to get to heaven. No one can. There will be no one in heaven that's going to boast as to why they're there. No one in heaven is going to say, well, I am here because I was baptized and I took communion. No one's going to say, well, I'm here in heaven because I led over a 100,000 people to the Lord. Oh, and here's one of them. No. We
0: have access to salvation, but only because of Christ's finished work on the cross. But we need to place our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as our Savior. Paul chooses the life of Abraham in the Old Testament as our example of someone who clearly trusted God for salvation, and because of that was saved. In today's message, Pastor Eddie demonstrates what Abraham's spiritual journey has to teach us about faith and salvation. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his study in Romans.
1: verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall impute sin." Romans chapter 4, we're still in God's courtroom, and last week, just before, just before we were sentenced to the penalty of death, there in the courtroom, just before we were sentenced to the penalty of death, here comes Jesus Christ, our advocate, who not only came to our defense, but also came to take our place and paid for our sins with his blood, just before we were going to be sentenced. I think it's a beautiful thing, it's a beautiful picture to know that I am justified, All because of what Jesus has done, not what I have done. And so, if you will, let's go back to the courtroom. The crowd is amazed and they're filled with cheer and praise because we were all sentenced to the penalty of death. But because of Jesus, we've been set free. But Paul doesn't stop there, he continues his argument. Uh, not his argument. He's going to conclude. He's going to keep bring it to a close, and he's going to bring two witnesses to the witness stand. Two witnesses who have declared justification. They have said that they have been justified by God without works, without the deeds of the law. Now, these two witnesses, the Jews have put so much merit in, and in regards to their origin, they're the patriarch, the hierarchy of Israel. They're known as Father Abraham and King David. Father Abraham and King David. With Father Abraham, he's the founder of the Hebrews, the founder of the Jews. With David, he is the greatest king Israel has ever had. And there's much respect for these two. And so Paul is bringing and say, hey, you have respect for Abraham, don't you? You have respect for King David. I'm gonna bring them to the stand to prove to you that we're justified by faith, not by works. And so after we examined it all before the law, when we look at Abraham before the law, Abraham was justified by faith. Under the law, David sang about justification by faith. And so Paul is going to use these two great men of the Old Testament to validate his claim, to establish his case that a man is justified by faith apart from the, law, the deeds of the law. But before we continue our study of Romans chapter 4, turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 takes us to the Abrahamic covenant, God's covenant to Abraham. It was a one-way covenant. There are several covenants, but this covenant God has made to Abraham is one way. God said, I'm going to do this for you, not based on what you're going to do for me. And so Genesis 15 takes us to that place. And so let us read verse 1 of Genesis chapter 15. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Later on, his name will be changed in chapter 17. His name will be changed to Abraham. But for now, he's Abram at this point. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, the Abram said, look, you have given me no offsprings. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And here it is, verse six. And he believed, that's Abraham. He believed in the Lord. And he, God, accounted it to him for righteousness. Let us read that together, verse six. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now let us go back to our text, Romans chapter four. Paul going to continue to illustrate this truth of justification by faith. And now it's going to be repetitive pretty much. And I think the reason why the Lord has inspired Paul to, to go on and to elaborate and to give illustration, to come to conclusion, is because somehow, by nature, we tend to add works to our relationship with God. Somehow, men always believe that they need religion in order to be right with God. It's hard for them to understand the simplicity of faith. And that's what it's all about. So don't look at Pastor Eddie because they say, Eddie, I get the point. Look at the Holy Spirit and Paul. They're the one that wrote this. And that's where we're going to go because we need to understand that how we justified, we justify by faith. Let's look at verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? In other words, was Abraham found righteous before God according to the flesh, according to the law? Was Abraham found righteous before God by all his natural efforts and legal obedience? Absolutely not. Verse 2, he says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And so Abraham was not made righteous by the flesh, by works, by the law but by faith. And even if, even if the works of Abraham's flesh were the grounds for justification, Abraham still would have nothing to boast about before God. Now you and I know we all don't get to heaven based on works. You can't pay your way to go to heaven. You can't do good deeds to get to heaven. No one can. There will be no one in heaven that's going to boast as to why they're there. No one in heaven is going to say, well, I am here because I was baptized and I took communion. No one's going to say, well, I'm here in heaven because I led over 100,000 people to the Lord. Oh, and here's one of them. No. No one's going to say, I'm here in heaven because I go to church twice a day and I'm part of a ministry. No one has anything to boast about. No one. No one will. When we get to heaven and we stand before a holy and mighty God, the one thing we will do in Revelation tells us, Revelation chapter 4, it says we're going to cast out crowns before the throne. And this is what we're going to say to the Lord. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Not us. We're going to cast out crowns before the Lord because we have nothing to boast about when we get to heaven. And the reason why we're casting out crowns to the Lord is because when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that we did nothing to get us there. We did nothing for salvation. We did nothing to stand righteous before the Lord, nothing. And we are there not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And if anyone's going to do any boasting in heaven, it's going to be Jesus, but it's not like him. He's going to be happier there. No one's going to boast. Abraham has nothing to boast. Verse three, he says, for what does the scripture say? Well, what does the scripture say? We just read Genesis 15 and Paul is going to quote scripture. This is why we study the word. This is not what Eddie says. This is not what Paul says. Paul is even going back To Genesis fifteen, what does he say? For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, this is very important to the Jews. This is very important for all those who study the scriptures, because when we look at a man like Abraham, we say, "Well, Abraham is the great grandpa of the Jews. He is the father of all the Jews. He's the father of all the nations." What made him right before God? What made him righteous? Abraham did nothing in the flesh that made him right before God. Now we look at the life of Abraham and he's one that we should actually really study to learn how to have faith in God. Because today we have the scriptures to understand how to build up our faith and believe in God. We have DVDs, we have study series, we have uh, videos, we have studies, you name it. Abraham had nothing. The Bible wasn't ever written. And sure, when we look at the life of Abraham, sure, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham obeyed God and left his family and country. Lord, tell him to leave. Abraham didn't say, okay, Lord, where am I going? He didn't give him a direction, didn't give him an address, didn't give him a GPS or a map. He just started walking. That's faith. And we know in Genesis 12, we see that he stepped out in faith, but Abraham wasn't made righteous because he stepped out in faith, leaving his family and country. And yes, when we look at study Genesis 17, we see Abraham was obedient, getting circumcised. But Abraham wasn't made righteous because of his circumcision. And yes, who can forget Genesis 22 when after waiting for over a 100 years for a child, the Lord tells him, go sacrifice your son, the one whom you love, your only begotten son. Now, that's really important for us because that gives us a picture of the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Because it was Abraham who took his son, his only begotten son, to Mount Moriah, that mountain where the Lord told him to sacrifice your son. That's the same mountain where Jesus Christ, the son of God, was crucified. And what God was showing Abraham, you see how you're going to sacrifice your only begotten son? Later down the road, a couple of thousand years, my son Jesus Christ would be crucified in the same place. And he gives us a picture. And so we see Abraham, would think, wait a minute, Lord. I waited 100 years for a son. Now you're telling me to sacrifice my only son? He had faith. So much faith that when he went with his two servants, he tells the servants, you wait here while the lad and I will go. We will be back. He believed that no matter how this was going to end up, that God was going to bring him back to life. Beautiful picture. So we see Abraham was a man of faith. But can I tell you, that that didn't make Abraham righteous. And now you say, wow, that's a lot. To be written in scripture, mentioned in all, all of Genesis. And that didn't make him righteous? No. All these great works of Abraham's faith, but how great these works may have been wasn't the reason why he was made righteous, wasn't the reason why God got a credit to his account righteousness. Abraham just simply believed. Now, the word counted or accounted, this word accounted is mentioned 42 times in the New Testament, 42 times in the New Testament, 19 times in the book of Romans, and 11 times In chapter 4 alone. And the word count or accounted is a banking term. It's a mathematical term. It means to credit, to put to one's account, to impute. And so God credit to Abraham's account, his righteousness based on Abraham's faith. Simple. 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 Now, verses four and five, Paul will illustrate this for us in a way I think all of us could understand. Verse four, he says, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. In other words, when you work, your wages, your paycheck is not a gift. Your boss will say, here's your gift. He said, are you kidding me? I worked hard. So you're going to say, but it's something you have earned. It is the debt that is owed to you. You work for it, you earned it. Simple enough, simple enough. Let's look at the spiritual part of it. Verse five, but to him who does not work, That sounds good for some people. That is him who is not religious. That is him who does not live by a bunch of do's and don'ts. That is him who does not think he has earned his salvation, but to him who does not work, but what? Believe on him who justified the ungodly. This is to believe in him, Jesus Christ. To him who justified the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And so it's not only for Abraham, that's the good news. This is where we insert our name here. This is where Paul the apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is where God is including us. Just as God accredited to Abraham account his righteousness based on Abraham's faith in God, so too God has credited to you, to your account, his righteousness based on your faith in him. Very simple, very simple. You and I are saved because of our faith in Christ. You are righteous. We put on his righteousness because we believe in Christ. If a person had to work for their salvation, then God would be a debtor to that person. If you had to work your way for salvation, and that was written in scripture, and if that's the way that leads to God, then that means the work that you do, God owes you something. Because it's based on works. It's not based on faith. It's based on what you do. So God owes you something, just like when you work. Your employer owes you something. However, we know that God is not a debtor to any man. Romans chapter 11, verse 35, it says, All who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. I have it here in the New Living Translation. I think we can understand a little bit better. New Living Translation in Romans chapter 11, verse 35, it says, and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Who has given God so much? that God's going, wow, you gave a lot. (laughs) I'm going to give you, Eddie, just you. Just you yourself, Eddie. You're so great, wonderful. I owe you so much. The answer is no one. God has given us everything. What can I give God? What can I give God? And if you read the last chapter of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 66, read it for homework, you'll find that the Lord says, what shall you give me? All these things I've made. What can you actually give to me? Wrap it up in a bow and say, here you are, Lord. Nothing. But one thing that God does want, a broken and a contrite heart. Now, wait a minute, you think, When I want to receive a gift, and when I receive a gift, I don't want it broken. But somehow, we have nothing to give God. But the one thing that we can give God needs to be broken, that is your heart. Why does God want a broken heart? Because he doesn't want the flesh. God wants to shape and mold you the way he wants to shape and mold you. And it's interesting to know that the Lord gives me his son and I got to give him my broken heart. Here you are, Lord. I don't think that's an even trade by far. All I got to do is believe. That's all I got to do is believe and it's accounted to me as righteousness. We are righteous. We are justified and saved because of his amazing grace. There's nothing to boast about. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's God's grace, and it's your faith, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one can boast. No one can boast about their salvation. Oh, yeah, God should be happy. I'm part of his team. Oh, God, you got a prize of me. No. When you look how awesome big God is, no one can boast. For us to go before God and say, Lord, you know, you should consider me, consider the righteous deeds, everything that I have done, consider. And based on my works, Lord, I should go to heaven. But what about the cross? That's to say that the cross is of no value for you to get to heaven, but your works. And so Father Abraham, at this point, in God's courtroom, he walks off the witness stand and witness that the Lord considered him righteous, apart from works, apart from the deeds. This is Father Abraham, and he testified that he was justified before God without the rules and regulations. So their minds are blown at this point. But Paul is not done. He calls another to witness stand, and his name is King David. King David of the tribe of Judah. And he comes to the witness stand to illustrate the same truth. Verse six, just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And what he's gonna do, he's gonna quote Psalms 13, 32 verses 1 and 2, and he's going to quote what David wrote as a psalmist. He probably sang the song. He probably worshiped because he discovered, and he sees that he is justified before God, and that God imputes righteousness apart from works. It was so amazing to David, so amazing that he began to sing and worship. And here's where he quotes Psalms 32, 1 through 2, and here it is in verses 7 and 8. Paul says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Blessed are you. Another word translation for blessed is happy. Isn't it good? Doesn't it make you feel happy that you stand before God righteous and simply by believing? Simply by believing. If you're a Christian, You believe in Jesus Christ, you put your faith and trust in him, you are justified. Justified before God. Your record, your file contains no record of sin, but it just shows Christ has paid for your sins. As Christians, don't get me wrong, we do sin. And we all know that. And these sins need to be forgiven. We, we've been forgiven. We've repented. But as we continue to walk in our lives with the Lord, God is stripping away the things that doesn't look like his son, Jesus. But we mess up all the time, don't we? Pastor Eddie included. But I love 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We call it the Christian bar of soap. This is one of those scriptures you need to put in your bathroom as you wash your hands or in the scrub room. Here it is. John says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He is what? Faithful and just. What does that mean? Every time I come to the Lord, because I blew it all the time. It's a revolving door coming to the altar. But it says here, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And John, the epistle of John, John is writing to Christ. He's not writing to the unbeliever. And so that means every time we come to the Lord, we are forgiven. And you know, times we come to the Lord thinking that he's not gonna forgive us. He's going to forgive you. I'm
0: Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of Romans with us here on Running the Race. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today and that you're eager to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to listen to more messages by Eddie, visit our website at runningtheraceradio.com. There you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. For Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at RunningTheRaceRadio.com. Right now, Tracy has some information about how you can be a part of the ministry here at Running the Race.
2: Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to RunningTheRaceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue
0: to grow. Thanks, Tracy. There's much more to learn from the Book of Romans on the next edition of Running the Race.